Arizona loses its defensive coordinator, but could that defensive coordinator or the next one already be on the staff? All that and more. Let's get started here on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we got a lot to get to this show, but uh, we're first we're going to talk about Arizona has lost defensive coordinator Johnny Nansen. He is moving on to Texas in a little bit of an odd move. I think it's kind of a surprise to some folks that uh, Nansen, well, quite frankly, this is kind of a weird situation because, yes, he's going on to Texas. That's obviously more of a high-profile job. Totally get it. He's uh, close with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. That makes sense, too. Totally get that one as well. But at the end of the day, he's going to be the co-DC. He's going to be the linebacker coach, but he's also not going to be calling plays. Um, that is a uh, that's a, an interesting uh, that's an interesting dynamic because you know generally in this day and age you want to call plays if you're a uh, you know if you're a defensive coordinator. Um, and not only do you want to call plays, you want to be kind of at the front center. I mean, Nansen had a uh, a lot to say about Arizona becoming a, a much better uh, defensive team this past year. It felt for the first time in a while that Arizona's defense was kind of marching in lockstep. And in that first year, it really didn't feel like that much at all. It kind of felt like every uh, position unit was kind of playing in that same, uh, you know, not really like you never really felt like the defensive backs uh, were kind of marching in lockstep with what the linebackers wanted or what the uh, or what the defensive line was doing. It felt like it was kind of three separate entities. And not only did you feel like it was kind of three separate entities, you kind of felt that, well, I mean, you know, um, that uh, what's exactly going on here because it looked a little bit like a Marcel Yates type defense where nobody's really uh, nobody's really moving uh, really moving together and not only is it nobody really moving together they're kind of uh, they're kind of you know again it felt like every team it kind of felt like each unit was on an island to a certain degree but so um, this year though it became a little bit different it um, you watched Arizona and you knew that all right. Um, the defensive backs, which were the strength of the team for sure, are um, are uh, um, obviously they're all playing well. I mean, you look at it across the board from a Takario Davis to an Ephesians Prysock. I mean, heck, Gunner Maldonado, my bad Gunner, um, to uh, a, a Dalton Johnson, Trayden Stukes, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody was kind of, like I said, everybody was playing well. And not only was everybody playing well, you just kind of uh, watched them and you're like, all right, well, you know, it, it, it made sense. And let's be honest here, by the end of the season, it probably was a top three defense in the entire conference. And if it wasn't a top three defense in the entire conference, it was certainly right. It was certainly right there. And you kind of wonder, you know, why exactly would you move away from that? You also got to keep in mind, too, that when you look at 2024, there's a lot to like about the potential for this uh, for this Arizona defense. Not only is there a lot not there a lot to like about the potential of the 2024 defense, there is a uh, you return almost everybody. I mean, just look in the secondary, look in the defensive backfield or the defensive backs from 
to Cario Davis and Ephesians Prysock on the outside, to Trey and Stukes, you've got three really, really, really good corners. And not only do you have three really, really good corners, you've also got some players coming in that are, I think are going to be able to be a little bit of a, uh, I think probably, a, you know, a little bit of an upgrade. And by that, I mean, um, you're bringing in a Jordan Shaw from uh, Indiana, think he can play a little bit. And then you look at the safeties, like we talked about, the safeties are all good. Um, and not only are the safeties good, you've also got a player in Genesis Smith, who I think is just starting to reach the, uh, you know, some of the talent level that, uh, that he has. This is a, uh, this is a nice, uh, this is a, certainly a very nice defensive uh, secondary. And then the linebackers, sure. You got Jacob Manu. You got to figure out what you're going to do right with Jacob Manu. I get all that or because, again, he's an all-American caliber player. But, you know, next to him, you got to figure out what's going to happen. But, again, Jed Fish has shown that he knows how to acquire talent. He and Matt Doherty know what they're doing. And then on the defensive line, yeah, you lose Jacob Kongaika, who we're going to get to in just a minute. But you also have uh, players in uh, – you also have a player in, uh, you know, Atia Savea who I think is going to slide right in and uh, probably be right next to Big Bill Norton. And then opposite, you got Deuce Davis, you got Isaiah Ward, you got a lot of skills. So, I mean, it was a it's a unit that, yeah, you lose Taylor Upshaw, um, which you certainly don't want to lose. But other than that, you got everybody coming back. And it's just kind of, like I said, just kind of a head scratcher as to what exactly, the, you know, the mentality, what the mindset was there. Um, now, listen, when you go on to Texas – um, that is obviously that's one of the premier positions in all of college football. Um, I totally get it when you're friends with uh, your friends with Steve Sarkeesian, all of that. I think, I, you know, nobody's really begrudging for that. But the fact that you're giving up play calling duties, I think, is certainly something that's a little bit a uh, little bit interesting there. Now, um, a guy who coached at Texas, who I think that we can uh, Arizona fans are very familiar with Dwayne Aquina. All right, now, Dwayne Aquina, just for everybody out there to know, Dwayne Aquina was a stalwart on the Dick Tomey staff for many, many years and um, a player that I think uh, alumni absolutely adore and for good reason. When you uh, He came back to Arizona this past year as a, a defensive analyst, and he was absolutely fantastic. Not only was he absolutely fantastic, um, you watched him practice the way that he ran up and down the field, the way that he engaged with the team. He just, it just felt like, you know, Dwayne Aquino was back in his rhythm. Dwayne Aquino was back doing what he wanted to do. And, you know, from an Arizona fan perspective, it was, it was exciting to watch because I think a lot of times you wonder, all right, what kind of drive does this, what kind of drive does coach have? What kind of drive does, um, you know, and it's a, that's a fair question to say, because you know, bringing in a coach who, Hasn't been, uh, you know, he was at Stanford, secondary coach, obviously, and could have just kind of maybe, you know, uh, just retired and just kind of done his own thing. But he was super involved in all of practices. He was really, I think, kind of a conduit in making the uh, the defense where it was. But more so than anything, it was just the energy that he brought. You watched, I mean, Dwayne Aquina dominated practices a lot of the time. And that's, uh, again, that's a very, very, um, I think, an important aspect to it. And listen, when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the defensive, uh, when it comes to the secondary, this is a dude who um, his his reputation, his background takes a backseat to absolutely nobody. And I mean that when I say it takes a backseat to absolutely nobody. Three Thorpe Award winners. And you could also say, too, 
that the one that didn't win the Thorpe Award, Chris McAllister was his best one. Something like 19 first-team All-Americans. Just a, like I said, just an amazing amount of talent that he has developed. And not only an amazing amount of talent, um, a guy who just, I think, he just really garners the respect of others. Now, could he possibly be the next defensive coordinator? We're going to talk about that. But first, Jace Medical. All right. In this day and age where you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, Jace Medical has you covered. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Again, um, this is the time, you know, uh, you never know exactly. The last thing you want to do if you have an emergency is – uh, have to show up and wait for 90, you know, 90 hours in some place where you're not going to get the, uh, you know, where you're not, uh, it's going to take forever to get what you need. Jace Medical says, do not worry about that. We have you covered. Check it out. Jace Medical. Like I said, this is a, a uh, get yours today at jacemedical.com. And again, use promo code locked on for $20 off. Thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we're talking Dwayne Aquina, Dwayne Aquina, Dwayne Aquina. All right, he would be my defensive coordinator. I think that Arizona should hire him as the defensive coordinator. Now, again, I know that you want to bring in a recruiting whiz. I get all that. Totally fine with all of that. Um, and, you know, maybe you make a co-DC situation where uh, the guy comes in and, you know, he becomes the defensive coordinator in waiting. I know that everybody wants to have the poly connection. You got to remember, too, Dwayne Aquina is Hawaiian. So there is that. I think a lot of people don't know that. Uh, Dwayne Aquina is not some white dude from Kansas. Um, so he is Hawaiian. But I think that he would just make – I think he just makes everything go because you got to remember, 2024 is go for broke, in my opinion. And not only is it go for broke, it's, you know – because who knows who's going to be here, who's going to be here the following year, the year after that. And Arizona's really, quite frankly, never been able to string together two really, really good years. Now, you could say that in 94 and then not, or the, after the Fiesta Bowl year that Arizona was a couple plays away from being 11-1. and one. But as we all know, you are what your record says you are. Arizona finished that season 8-4 and four, and I think like 25th in the country. It was a disappointing season considering where what the expectations were. So uh, there's that. And then if you get 10 wins, like we talked about, Arizona becomes an even more intriguing option than for other uh, coaches if Jed Fish were to move on. Because, again, um, you would show that, all right, you can win here. Uh, in recent memory, Arizona would have two straight 10-win seasons. And that's something, again, that you can't really take lightly, um, That uh, especially going into the Big 12. Now, again, the Big 12 is good for sure. But – you know, I don't think that there's anybody in the Big 12 that if you're Arizona that you're scared of. I mean, I'm not scared of anybody in the Big 12. I don't think that anybody else is. Again, you have respect for them for sure because it is a good conference. And quite frankly, I think it's underrated. But it's also not a conference that anybody's scared of. So I think Arizona goes into that thinking that, man, we could absolutely win this conference. And if again, if you win that conference, then no matter what happens, you are kind of in a you're kind of in a situation where Things start to look like, all right, we can, you know, how how far can we really string this? And then, like I said, I believe that Arizona can compete for a national championship next year. Now, again, everybody says Georgia would beat it by 38 points, Alabama, all that. To which I say, fair, whatever you want to say. But I will always go back to this. You saw Arizona against Washington. And Washington is, 
obviously playing for a national championship. Did, did Arizona and Washington look that much different to you? I ask. I mean, I'm, you know, because again, to me, they really didn't. If it was Noah Fafita's first start, he essentially gift wrapped him 14 points because, he, you know, again, it was his first start. But then after that, he really, really settled down and he was good to go. Um, and you could make the case that Arizona outlasted them in the second half. And um, that's kind of where Arizona, that's kind of where Arizona ended up with things. So, um, yes, Washington won. You always got the feel that Washington was going to win that game, but it didn't really feel like it was that much different. So again, you got to fix some pieces or bring in some new pieces. We're going to talk about all that tomorrow, but Arizona is in a, uh, Arizona is in a spot right now where you're, um, you're kind of in a go for broke. And I think with Dwayne Aquina, that Dwayne Aquina is that dude. Um, I, I don't want to, uh, um, I don't really want to, uh, um, mess around with a, a defensive coordinator calling plays who's never called plays, who's new to the system. That to me is something that Arizona doesn't need because again, this is an absolutely loaded football team for next year. Arizona needs to be able to, um, Arizona needs to be able to get somebody that knows what he's doing and can make all the pieces fit. And that's Dwayne Aquina. Yes, I get all the concerns. So again, you bring in a recruiter, all of that. Maybe you make somebody a coach in waiting, you know, whatever the case may be. But I believe that Aquina needs to be that one that needs to be the uh, that needs to be the uh, the defensive coordinator, at least the one calling plays. Maybe somebody's a run game coordinator, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, the dude that is calling plays, in my opinion, needs to be Dwayne Aquino. Um, and again, I think that uh, I think he's shown enough that he certainly got the fire. Who knows how long it's going to be here? And you know, again, um, I think if uh, if Arizona is able to compete for a national championship, maybe Jed Fish looks at it and is like, you know actually win a lot of games here um there's uh, there's some real potential for me um and maybe you take the Lute Olson route maybe you take the uh route where you're like all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna see how, how far I can take this I'm just saying I'm just saying that it wouldn't uh, we've see, certainly seen crazier things that's for sure um so but uh and then you can keep the rest of the staff kind of in place um you know again uh you had uh, you know with uh, you have a good defensive backs coach. Um, obviously, D line coach has been solid. So again, you just need to be able to kind of keep that keep that momentum going because I don't think anybody wants to see kind of a drop off of what we saw, you know, in year two to year three. And that's one thing that Jed Fish has been very very good at. Jed Fish has been very good. Um, Jed Fish has been very good at honestly um, addressing talent, addressing disparities each off season, and he's done that. I mean, the first year he came in, and uh, obviously it was a little bit of a rough season, but he was just trying to establish a culture. Then that off season, he addressed the offense, or he addressed the uh, the offensive uh, the offensive side of the football in a big way. And Arizona had a, a really good offense. Then defensively, he was like, you know, we just can't. We're not good enough defensively. And then they addressed that, and became much much sol- more solid. Brought in some more talent. You brought in some more players, and on top of that, you brought in Dwayne Aquina who we were talking about. And so there was a lot to uh, he's been able to address all of this. Now, what is that next step then for Arizona football? I'm curious to see exactly what that is, because 
again, you just don't want to take, you want to just keep the upward momentum going. You don't want to drop back into the seven win range because again, you were able to, and this was legitimately a 10 win team uh, folks. This was not something where it felt fluky or, you know, like, eh, is Arizona really that good? That kind of stuff. That really wasn't the case with this squad. This very much felt like a, this very much felt like a set or a, a team that was legitimately a 10-win team. This was an Iowa that sucked and somehow they won 10 games. Iowa just not a good football team. Arizona felt like a good football team, and that certainly was the case. And a lot of that too is because of the depth, because of the uh the talent that they were able to uh that they were able to go for. All right. Now we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about uh Jacob Kangaika because I think this is a transfer that uh, caught a lot of people, including myself, off guard to a certain degree considering where he came from, what he was able to do. But first, FanDuel. All right, check it out. FanDuel, ladies and gentlemen, FanDuel. All right, now, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check it out. Um, This is where you want to go. Listen, you got uh, college football's over now, but you got the NFL playoffs here. You've Not only do you have the NFL, you've also got college basketball. You've got uh, the NBA. This is awesome. Full swing time of the year. Check out FanDuel. Get in on FanDuel because, again, you know your money's good. Not only do you know your money's good, you know it will be good. Check out the check it out with the good folks at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, this is one of those situations. You will thank me later. You will thank me later because um, there's nothing more enjoyable than watching something where you have a little bit of a skin in the game and you also know that, heck, I also have a little bit of betting action here. Again, check it out, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats, and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now, now, let's talk about Jacob Kangaika. Jacob Kangaika, to me, is kind of the epitome of a uh, of a of the player who um just kind of makes a lot of uh you know just kind of is emblematic of this coaching staff to a certain degree. And by emblematic of this coaching staff, I I mean that. Uh, they're able to find players. Jacob Kangaika went to modern day and somehow didn't have any offers coming out of high school. Um, Arizona brought him in as a walk-on and then they quickly gave him a scholarship offer. And it's because he's good. Again, he's not, this isn't Rob Waldrop we're talking about. It's not like he's that, but he is a really, really good football player. And not only is he a really good football uh, player, it's not like he's like, you know, insurmountable as far as replacing. I get that. But he was probably one of the more natural quick twitch pass rushers on the entire, uh, in the entire interior D line. And I think that he was absolutely, he was going to compete for a starting spot. Now, you know, you might say, well, that would have been Tia Savea or whatever the case may be. Cool. Maybe it was, I don't know. But I do know that Jacob. Uh, I do know that Jacob Kangaika is uh, a player who um, was going to be in the rotation. He's going off to ASU. Um, I would expect him to start at ASU. Uh, ASU is obviously in a much different um, in a much different uh, realm than Arizona is right now. Um, and I think that he'll start, and I think he'll be a pretty good contributor. Um, you know, uh, he's a good football player. But you know, like we talked about earlier. This isn't something that Arizona can't replace. As good as he is, it's not like you're losing Big Bill Norton or, um, you know, Jacob Monhu or somebody that's kind of an all-conference caliber guy. Uh, again, is good, but Arizona between, you know, Atiyah Savea, you also got to factor in. you got some uh, players coming up. 
And you also got to remember as well that uh, a Tai Tai Uyaga Lele is still in the mix. Um, so again, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of potential there for this uh, team, but he is definitely a loss. Now people ask, you know, what happened here? This really came down to, and it's not really a secret, so I can just put it out there. You know, he didn't get along with, uh, he didn't get along with Johnny Nansen. Um, Johnny Nansen and uh, Jacob Kangaika just did not see eye to eye on much of anything. And, um, you know, that they'll be pretty honest or pretty upfront about it, that that's why, uh, that that's why Kangaika left. Um, so it does strike me as a little odd that Nansen leaves and Kangaika still leaves, but who knows? Um, going to ASU is weird, but uh, wish the kid the best because, again, I still think that with Arizona, uh, Jacob Kangaika is a total example of this coaching staff and about how they are able to find under the radar talent. And under the radar talent, sometimes that can be at modern day high school, uh, like Jacob Kangaika, or that can be at Long Beach Poly, like a Wendell Moy. Um, Again, it's just kind of uh, where it's just kind of worth what this staff does. They uh, they um, they uh, they're just able to do it. And not only are they able to do it, they're able to really find out where um, players fit in. And they're very good at development. And I think that's a big part of what they're uh, I think that's a big part of what they're able to do. And Jed Fish continuously harps on that as Jed Fish should harp on it. Because, again, when you develop talent in the manner in which they do, you should harp on that. Because, again, this is a team where you've got a lot. Like I said, you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of good players. You've got a coaching staff that certainly knows what they're doing. All right. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk about filling the holes what Arizona needs to do as far as uh, bringing in more players and uh, to replace some of the uh, guys who have moved on. And then we're also going to talk about, um, uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Arizona basketball needing to play with a little bit more passion on a consistent basis. But on that note, I'm your host, Mike Luke. You've been listening to Locked on Wildcats.